same same concept comes into play when you start adding solar to the equation. And there's multiple ways of, of buying renewable energy. My number one step is where can we do it? And and one of the, the number of things that, that Solvay is focused on is what we call additionality. And does it create additionality to the grid? And, um, you know, the number one way of doing that is is going through and saying, let's let's try to put a solar farm in in our backyard. Let's 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 drag that extension cord from the backyard, hook it up to the plant and let that service the plant during those hours with sun. Okay, and then what is that going to cost me? And if you know you have to you have to analyze these things and compare it to whatever your alternative for energy is at the at that time and say is this going to be a cost savings? If it's not, I don't want it. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis, joined as I am each and every episode by our founder and president, Mr. Mike Niemer. And Mike, uh, you've had yourself a excellent start to the week, and uh, that's just a excellent premise Excellent lead up to the episode, episode 12 with our guest, Ron Johnson, a gentleman you know very well. We're very excited about that. But, um, you know, on top of all that, always something going on at eRenewable. We're happy about it. I know you are, too. Let the folks at home know uh, the, the next big thing going on with uh, the Green Insider and eRenewable. Well, big news for us is we've got a project partner that we've uh, teamed up with with regards to an association now. We partnered up with NEMA, the North American Energy Market Association, and we are going to, uh, each week, tell you something that's going on within NEMA, whether it's a virtual event, whether it's a physical event, once those start again, or if it's just a happening they're having in general. So we're really excited to be partnering with them and looking forward to being good strategic alliance between the two organizations. And I know, listen, this is something that, uh, and you've been a part of NEMA, you know, before, uh, you know, you, you started eRenewable. Um, a little bit just for the folks at home, and like I said, we had Steve Shepard on last week. If you haven't heard that podcast yet, we, we, we urge you, uh, go to the website, eRenew.net, or you can always check it out over at uh, Apple iTunes, Google Play, uh, or wherever you get your podcast. But what's the importance, what, what, what's the, the importance of NEMA in the energy market? Well, besides for networking aside, they bring constructive conferences together Mm -hmm. and they they have talking points that are valid in today's market. And that kind of education you can't always get. A lot of times the education you get at a conference is somebody paying to be on stage to sell their company. That is not what this is. These guys are delivering quality material and helping everybody learn from it. And this renewable space, Fred, you and I both know education is king right now. Education is king, Mike. And, uh, you know, and, and listen, Steve talked about it last week, um, you know, and was very pleased with the things you had to say, because that's how you and him met was at one of the name of conferences. But, you know, they've had to pivot, uh, as many companies have had to do, obviously, in, the, in light of the pandemic and, and COVID-19. Um, and one of the things that they're doing, and we talked about it last week with Steve, in light of the conferences right now, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, are these learning uh, virtual 
events that they're having, you know, once, twice a month to, you know, like you said, to keep the membership, to keep folks abreast of what's going on, to kind of keep them, you know, ahead of the curve. So that way, like you said, as these challenges continue to come at folks, they, you can at least be somewhat prepared or at least have an idea of how to handle it when these things happen. Um, and of course, this month is no difference, uh, is no different. Uh, NEMA is pleased to announce it's going to offer its next virtual presentation, Tax Equity, What to Expect for the Balance of 2020 and into 2021. That's going down Wednesday, November 11th. That's next Wednesday, November 11th at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, the presenter is going to be Brian Murphy, who's a partner with the, the National Tax Group of the energy side of Ernst & Young. So obviously, and you know you know as well as anybody, Mike, when it comes to uh, taxes and all things taxes, uh, Ernst & Young is, is, is as good as it gets in the industry. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what's important for everybody to know that wants to attend this virtual event, if you're a NEMA member, the cost is nothing. It's free. Yes. If, however, you're not a member, it's simply $50, and you're welcome to attend. They'll be glad to have you in attendance. Absolutely. And, it, and, and as we all know, I mean, it, it's a Zoom conference, so not the big surprise there. But uh, like I said, we'll have the information on our website as well. You can also go to NAMA.com. That's N-A-E-M-A.com, N-A-E-M-A.com, to find out more about the event. And like I said, that's going down next Wednesday, November 11th. So you certainly do not want to miss that. So without further ado, let's get into uh, episode number 12. And, Mike, again, this is somebody that you've known for a long time. Um, with a, with a story very similar to yours, um, you know, maybe not quite as as much of a veteran as you are uh, in the oil and gas industry, but uh, somebody that you know very well in Ron Johnson, uh, who after you know what twenty years decided to take the plunge uh, into a different market. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ron and I go back several years, and uh, we've become good friends. And I'm very pleased to have him as a guest on our show today. And Ron, it gives our listeners an insight to a buyer's view. This is our first buyer we've ever had on, so I'm excited about that. So without further ado, I'll let you lead right into Ron. So, uh, I appreciate you, Mr. Mike. And, uh, of course, Ron Johnson, Energy Transition Manager for North America over at Solvay. Lots of good stuff here. Glad to have you guys on board. Without further ado, as Mr. Mike alluded to, this is Ron Johnson. What we as sustainability groups, as we as energy people Looking at uh, what are what are some of the hurdles, what are the challenges, what are some of the trends maybe in the in the uh, renewable field because that's really kind of what a lot of it is. Um, you know what what do you see solar wind? Yeah, what's kind of hap- what's happening with those? Where are the challenges for corporate buyers? What are some of the challenges for corporate buyers? Making it happen, and and one thing I'll tell you, my kind of my my roadmap to this energy transition for Solvay in North America is, is taking it step-by-step process. Um, you know, one of the unique things about Solvay is, you know, we're an industrial company, right? And I, my, my background for the last decade has been working with industrial companies. One of the things you always, the topic is, okay, well, what's for a particular site, whether it's a refinery or an air separator or a chemical plant, it's all about it's all about the location, the site manager and saying, okay, well, what is this going to do for me? Right. It's you know, corporate goals are this, but what is, what is this going to do for me? Cause I've bought energy for industrial plants for, for, for years. And, and it's always, okay. Cost savings, cost savings. I don't care. It's a commodity. The unique thing about energy, it's a commodity. They see that as a commodity and price point. And um, with that is, well, we can get this in. Here's your, you know, if I'm looking at just strictly energy coming from deregulated market, they want to talk about 
what's the best deal for me and why would I want to do it for a long term, you know, for a set amount of term. Same, same concept comes into play when you start adding solar to the equation. And there's multiple ways of, of buying renewable energy. My number one step is where can we do it? And, and one of the, the number of things that, that Solvay is focused on is what we call additionality. And what does it create additionality to the grid? And, um, you know, the number one way of doing that is, is going through and saying, let's, let's try to put a solar farm in, in our backyard. Let's, let's, let's drag that extension cord from the backyard, hook it up to the plant and let that service the plant during those hours with sun. Okay. And then what is that going to cost me? And if, you know, you have to, you have to analyze these things and compare it to whatever your alternative for energy is at, the, at that time and say, is this going to be a cost savings? If it's not, I don't want any method of doing this. So we take steps, we take our steps or number one is trying to, in creating the, the, the best form of additionality is putting something, you know, on site, plugging it in and, and, and making a uh, installation work. You know, that's a, that's a direct impact to it. And the second thing is, if you look at markets like ERCOT, ERCOT's a great market for, for buying renewable energy. It's, it's power is cheap here, but with what we have in West Texas with huge amounts of wind farm and now these massive amount of solar farms that are going in, um, what's happening with that? Well, we can buy all of our energy renewable without having to, you know, get the steel in the backyard. We can actually do it through our contract. So there's those forms when you've exhausted every effort out there, there's other ways of doing it. And that's things we can talk about too, but it's our, our attempt is to try to get as much physical projects done as possible to actually make an addition, additionality steps towards making the transition. You know, there's, there's challenges when in, in all these different methods of buying energy, but renewable energy and putting something in the ground, making it cost effective, can you compete in regulated markets? Can you compete in deregulated markets? What's the matter with deregulated markets, right? Um, and that's another challenge that people have is, is adding to, as an example, in the southeastern part of the United States, it's kind of the old uh, utility mentality where it's, it's a monopoly and, and they're, they're, guarding their, they're guarding their position and their, and their market share wholeheartedly. Different is if you look at California, California is promoting solar. California's created a real problem with that. Everybody's got solar on their roof for all the offices, things like that. And, and it's creating a catastrophe in their, the load shape for all the, uh, the utilities. Um, they've got what they call a duck, duck shape curve now. So the standard load shape curve is, is uh, looks like a, a bell shaped curve for a utility. Well, what happens in California is there's so much solar in, in the marketplace that as, as you would expect the demand to rise through the day, it actually drops off because of the amount of solar being produced. It's overproducing from, from what the demand is. And it's actually shifted the, uh, uh, the peak of the day from, from midday to evening. And so that creates problems for, 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 for utilities like that. So there's, there's, there's lots of problems in, in many different areas. There's challenges. Um, there's incentives. Real, real quick, is that where battery storage comes in? Because if it's overproducing, so that means it's putting more power on the grid than the grid can take? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you've, you're talking about batteries, and batteries is, I mean, that's 
you know, this conference, we, we can sit here for a couple hours and, 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 and never get as deep as we want to in this conversation. But, you know, one of the, the, the changes in, in, in the environment of electricity in the United States is, is phenomenal. And what's happening was with the incentives, you're getting more, more of these um, uh, energy sources that are not consistent, right? Um, trying to think of the word um, variable. Wind is variable, right? In right. West Texas. Um, really interesting. I used to have a, uh, a business partner of mine about uh, about 18 years ago who actually used to work for Centerpoint. And he worked in the control room. And he, was, he said, you know, you could literally watch the control board, the, the demand on the control board shifting downward as you could see where the cold front was just by the amount of demand or destruction that a, a cold front has, Right. Well, when a cold front comes through, that's when those windmills are, are whipping it up and generating a lot of electricity. You see, you, you can see power prices in ERCOT actually go negative. It's kind of the same thing you can have with solar in California in the mid-peak of the day. Okay, same so it's producing more than being used. Producing more than it's being used, and something needs to happen. It's, it's a great resource, right? But what do you do with that? There comes in the, the, the discussion of the batteries. How can batteries work with that? Batteries are also good in other situations where you have, um, whether it's, and, and again, batteries aren't necessarily considered green, but they facilitate things. We have programs, uh, it's, if you look at some of the regulated utility tariffs, they're structured so you have a high demand and you have very low energy prices. Entergy is an example of that. Entergy has extremely high demand charges. So what that means is if you peak, you're gonna be paying this big bill I couldn't put solar in to compete with that because of the, the you know, less than a penny type of pro, uh, price for solar. And so what ends up happening is <clears throat> when, when you have a battery, a battery can actually complement the solar exactly because solar, sometimes clouds come by, right? And if, if that cloud comes by your, your, your energy pops. And so you can exactly what you're saying, that battery automatically will kick in and levelize that, that, what looks like your your demand will keep that reduced, oh, but it can okay. that, like that duck curve, which is now later in the day. And so the utilities in California have actually shifted their peak time. So what that means is my peak's going to peak way over here when the solar is already gone, and I'm not going to get that solar benefit anymore. So if I plop a battery in, it can shave off that on peak. You've had an interesting career, uh, 26 years in the industry, all told, getting started in 1994, and you've been an energy manager dealing with all things fossil fuels, natural gas. I mean, you you name it, you've done it. You jump over to Solvay in 2018 to take over, I guess, kind of the renewable energy division. How did you make that transition? How did you make that leap? How did it come about? Well, I made the leap just after applying for a job that looked <laughs> how, to, how do most of us make, make the leap, right? Um, it, I, I think maybe to add to your question is, is, is why, or, or, or what kind of, what, 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 uh, kind of brought the idea up. But if I, if I look back at my career from trading commodities to, uh, consulting, doing energy buying for, uh, large industrials through, uh, a, a company called Pace Global, a global procurement company and an energy management company, uh, consulting, um, uh, I guess I, it really kind of started there. I had an opportunity for a year. I worked at waste management uh, uh, on their renewable team and was just 
was uh, very excited just by learning all about the, uh, you know, the methane coming out of the, the plants and how they convert that to, to energy, whether it's uh, electricity or in the pipes. So I took that as I, I moved beyond that into the energy management um, as understanding the, the electric industry, the natural gas industry across the country uh, for large industrials and, and always really excited kind of falling back on that renewable side from, from the waste management days that I spent there. And taking that from uh, where I was at at Marathon, working buying buying energy commodities for their, their refineries to uh, step, stair stepping into uh, Air Liquide, and you know it's 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 great being an energy buyer. It's it's challenging. It's it's similar to being a trader. You just don't have the financial benefits that you you would have on the trading arena that I had prior to that. Um, and as as you you spend a lot of time across the country buying energy understanding the energy markets, understanding uh, the different aspects was regulatory, legislative issues. Um, at, at a point where you kind of get to that point of saying, I can buy energy, what, what's next? What's kind of next on the equation? Um, and one of the challenges I've always had in excitement in, in my career is kind of always being on that next, that leading edge of the next thing, whether it's gas trading, whether it's the power industry deregulating, whether it's uh renewables coming into the market to me it seemed logical with sustainability out there and this uh, this company Solve was looking for somebody to kind of lead the path for them on that that for me it was a natural transition to say that's the next thing coming and I'm glad to say that it, I think I was right um, everywhere I'm at it across renewable energy is it sustainability is that that word that buzzword that's 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 there and it's not going away you know, Ron, you're exactly right. You know, that was uh, part of why I started eRenewable was to cross over to the frontier, the new frontier, right? And so what I'm really excited about today is you are the Green Insider's very first corporate buyer that we've interviewed. So you're going to give a different perspective of what goes on in the market than what any of our listeners have heard before on this podcast. So I'm excited for you to not only share your your adventures, but also your knowledge about just a little bit about what goes into, as you talked about buying from different locations or across the country, give in one or two minutes, a real simple definition to what that job entails, just in a simple format for our, for our you know, novice listeners that want to learn a little bit about energy. And then from there, we can expand to your sustainability plans and everything you've got going on at uh, Solvay. Sure, Mike. So, Looking at energy, and I'm, I guess we're going to talk about electricity primarily, um, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're speaking electricity. Um, the interesting, I, I came across a, a comment from my boss he, who, who is in, in France and, and has said, well, why don't you just go out and do a PPA for, for whatever you need? Um, which I kind of understood what the fact is, is, is in Europe, it's you can buy your energy Per country, in kind of one big lump package, it's 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 their countries are split out around similar to the states are here, and that's the unique thing about the United States is it's so so different, not only between regions but also state by state. You have um, this the, the United States is broken up in from the wholesale perspective in, in different ISOs and RTOs like ERCOTs. Or ERCOT's broken out from MISO or SPP or PJM. 
uh, Cal ISO. And so um, you really need to understand the structure of the the broader market before you really dive in too deep as a, as a buyer. Then you have to look at it state by state. Is a state regulated? Is it deregulated? Um, you, when looking at buying power in deregulated markets, what, what, what are the, the different pieces as PJM is a, uh, or, or ERCOT, let me back up and ERCOT, ERCOT's an energy only market. You don't pay a demand charge. You pay for what you use. It's, it's, it's actually quite simple. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's structured that way for a variety of reasons as where you look at uh, PJM and you have capacity markets in different regions. Um, you have to understand those capacity markets, how they work, how it helps you understand those pieces. Some markets uh, that are deregulated um, are kind of hybrids. California is kind of a hybrid. Uh, Michigan's kind of a hybrid. There's uh, in, 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 in California, if you've been able to get on uh in, into the ability to buy your, your power from a third party, you're one of the lucky ones. If you're not, you have to kind of get in line and, 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 and hope, hope that someday you'll be able to. Um, similar thing, Chicago's in, uh, Chicago, the Illinois markets, that's, that's open, but it's also kind of a uh, challenge because you've got PJM that covers parts of the market and you've got MISO and other parts of the market. Um, so you really need to know as a buyer, if, if you're, strictly buying deregulated power markets, or if you're working in regulated markets that actually you spend a lot of time working with uh, regulators uh, in, in challenging rate increases, that's one of the things that buyers really have to focus on too. There's a lot of markets you have literally nothing you can do except challenge the, the rate cases that the, uh, the different utilities take in. So you, you spend a lot of time understanding that, challenging those working with uh, industrial user groups or, or similar types uh, across the country. What's a hybrid market? Hybrid market would be like California, where California, when they originally started opening their market up to deregulation, they, they capped it at a certain point. And, and they said, no more. No more the marketplace can actually go into the open market. You can buy your power. So if you're not doing that, you're buying power from SoCal Edison under the tariff, but you can always apply to the, to the program in order to kind of be waitlisted to see if you, uh, you know, kind of a, like a, a, a lottery drawing to see if your name gets called and say, Hey, you can now buy your power at third party. So, so the moral of the story, Fred is part of the state's deregulated and part of it's not, and you can all be on the same block and some of you be deregulated and some of you regulated. So uh, that's the hybrid. There's a little of both throughout the entire state. Roger that. Texas is a bit of a hybrid too. If you look at it from that perspective, not, not all of Texas is inside of ERCOT and, and that creates some challenges as well. Um, at, at the same time, when Texas deregulated, they, they allowed the municipalities and the co-op uh, a choice of participating in that deregulated market or not. If they chose to go out and participate in the deregulated market, they can never go back. And so you mentioned part of what drew you to Solvay and just really uh, the renewable market was just the challenge of it. And you talked about wanting to be a, a ahead of the curve and, and on the next the next big thing. And like you said, and we certainly concur with that, that that's, uh, that's definitely the renewable front. What did you have to sell to Solvay as far as a guy that had been in the market 24 years, but again, had been always been on the, the buyer side as from an energy standpoint? A little bit of renewable way back when, but I'm sure you had other guys that had been in the renewable energy. Why Ron Johnson? 
another interview today. (laughs) 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 I thought I've already gone through this. No, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with understanding the marketplace, right. Um, Is, is you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a lot of road humps in this particular process. If you're going through this energy transition, trying to get somewhere with it. And if you don't know the marketplace, your only other option is to hire a consultant or somebody who can actually kind of weave you through the the web of, of the different markets. So I think one is just the fact that I know these markets and, and understand them. I've actually, uh, in, in a prior life, when I was at Air Liquide, we were looking at a uh, um, an opportunity that was very exciting in, of all places, New York City. Well, one of the unique things on New York was that this virtual metering. You've heard of net metering? Yes. Possibly? Where net metering is where is 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 you have uh, a solar uh, project in behind the fence inside the meter, and it's producing more than what you're consuming. That power essentially goes back out to the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have net metering, it's basically good luck. You know, thank you for the power. We appreciate it. Net metering actually allows you to net with your bill, or in some it, utilities are a little bit different whether they pay you for it or you get it back as a credit on your bill for volume or however that may be. Um, New York at the time had what they called, I think it was a virtual meter. That was You could put a solar meter or you could put a solar farm out, excuse me, a solar farm out away from your facility and let that generate. Found that really exciting. And, and, you know, I think maybe to add to your comment too was, you know, doing energy and buying energy for years, it, it becomes kind of routine after a while if you know your marketplace and the players that are out there. But you start looking at this thing, and, and solar at the time for, for many years was just never competitive. You couldn't do it. But it makes sense, right? It makes sense that solar comes in and hits this peak because of the sun shining when it's when it's peak time. And this and you just as a as an energy guy, you're thinking, why aren't we doing this? Why why can't we do this? Because it complements everything else all the other uh, generating sources that are out in the marketplace. And, you know, you see ERCOT with a peak of, of 9000 I think it's $9,000 now. Um, and you just think, wow, like, why, if solar is producing, we don't, we're, we're just not going to hit that. So, you know, you, you start questioning yourself as to why are we as a society or why are we as a, a, a energy group not creating these different we've got so many different forms of energy coming coming out you know with, with nuclear and with hydro and with all these other forms this only makes sense to add to the equation and so is as you're going through these things and you see spikes in in different times in the marketplace and, and you're thinking well if we had this why wouldn't we do that so to me it was it was my sales to to uh to solve was ones i understand all the marketplaces i understand and what I, the ones that I haven't worked in, I can pick that up pretty easy. They're, they're similar to maybe the, the ones I have worked on. But it's also the interest in, in expanding that and doing more with that. How long did it take you to get up to speed on the jargon and just kind of the minutia of the renewable market and the renewable industry? That's a good question. Not not very long. Not not. It didn't take me any, you know, the hardest transition over to solar is really, you know, the first year is trying to figure out where the bathrooms were. <laughs> You know, it's pre-COVID, of course. Year, right, exactly. So the 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 sector really wasn't that 
difficult for me because of because of my background. You know, there's there's learning some new nuances, some of the technical things. As, as as a business background of mine, I'm not an engineer, and that's really kind of where I found a lot of my challenges over the years is not being the engineer, trying to always learn something new from the electric industry, and that's one of the things I've always been challenged with is to all the the, the newness of of something that to somebody that's a business guy or a natural gas operator trying to move into electricity is understand these different pieces on the electricity, how it works. It works different than natural gas. And um, so that for me was a big challenge, but it was stepping into the power side. It really wasn't as difficult as it was, you know, trying to understand, you know, working with the developers on things. There are some things you just kind of nod your head at. And- How uh, old was this division uh, at Solvay when, when you came on board? Was it relatively new? It had been around a while. How long had it been around? Yeah, that's a great question. So Solvay, before I, 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 I arrived at Solvay, what most large industrial firms have, and that's kind of an energy management team, and um, did a great job. In fact, parts of it are still put together um, where they manage the, the energy they do. Uh, they manage the commodities that, the, that, that they buy, they sell, they buy, sell, manage other assets, things such as that. Um, but just prior to my arrival, the corporation went through some restructuring and, and, and had more definition on the company of, of sustainability being their top goals. And through that, uh, they developed a group that's called Sustainability Development and Energy Team. And um, as they developed that, they, they decided they wanted to find the right person for that particular role. And that's where I stepped in and um, was able to, to do that. So, it, I mean, it, it was really... My position was a brand new position at Solvay. Um, SDE had only been around for a couple of months. And so that was kind of the exciting thing. Number one for me was, hey, something not only new, but a new position within this firm to, to, to lead this group. What was the objective? The objective is, is uh, corporate goals, and that is uh, reducing our CO2 over, over, over a term. It, it, it started out uh, kind of some of the interview questions. <laughs> uh, so it's, it started out, um, you know, their, their initial goal was, uh, you know, a million kilotons of CO2 by 2025. Uh, and, and they've since in, increased this and in, in our goal is 2025 and out of 2020, 20, excuse me, 2030. Um, and, you know, reducing our CO2 overall by 26%. You know, Mike and I were talking about this before the, uh, before the show. Why 26 Twenty-six percent is in line with what uh, Solvay uh, is, is attempting to reach with the uh, the Paris Accord Agreement. Roger that, Roger that, and that, and, and of course that goes along with your 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 uh, Planet One initiative, uh, Solvay's Planet One initiative. Exactly. In all your time, in, in in your other stops along the way, had had you ever been tasked with anything like this? I mean, this seems like it's a little bit uh, a little bit of a departure, maybe from the. I don't want to say the marketing side of things, but you know it's a brand new position for you. So what 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 what's the biggest difference, and what's been the the most fun part of this job uh, compared to what you've done in the past, or exciting? Yeah, no, and that's that's a great question. The um, have you ever tried to push a rope up a hill? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I so what what I've experienced is. is Solvay is, is, this is their number one initiative. They picked you up. They said, this is what we're going to do. Drive, drive it forward. Um, as an energy buyer in previous companies, it was, it was the challenge was not only am I going to save you money, 
but we're also going to be buying green energy. Well, they didn't, it, green energy was really didn't make a difference before. Um, prior to two years uh, arriving here, none of the companies I had worked at in the past even asked about buying green energy. And when you actually found not only green energy, but at a cost savings, it was pushing a rope up a hill. Okay. Trying to, and the real, and, and I would say the real reason was the difference is most, most of your large corporations um, look to buy power two to three year out. Um, you know, setting up a contract for more than three years, you know, you had to, it was, it was an act of God. You had to get approval from the higher beings to, to be able to get these things done. They just didn't want to do it. So you were really stretched to do anything beyond three years on contracts uh, for, 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 for just about any company I've talked to. Um, the difference is renewable contracts are not short term. Um, the shortest one I've ever seen is five years. Um, and most average somewhere between 12 to 15 years I've seen. And we're looking at some now that are 20 years. And would you, know, you prefer shorter deals? I think everybody would prefer shorter deals. The difference in a shorter deal versus a longer deal is your price. Okay. Now we have had success. Uh, we've seen stuff in ERCOT is not demanding a, a long term, but that is the only place I've seen anything, you know, um, under 10 years. And most, most, most PPAs, if you're looking at a power purchase agreement to install something in your backyard, it's, you know, min- minimum 15 years for the finance groups to be able to get their return. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, that's terrific that Solvay's uh, taking this mission. You know, they're from in France, their headquarters in France. Is that correct? Actually, their headquarters is in Belgium. In Belgium, excuse me. Uh, yeah, tell us a little about yeah. Tell us a little bit about Solvay, uh, the corporation as a whole. Uh, Solvay is a great company. Um, Long term, you know, Solvay has been around 150 years, and um, has, has has grown to to what it is today. Uh, headquartered out of Brussels, uh, they're a major employer in in Brussels. Uh, we have corporate offices in uh, Paris. And in Lyon, I actually report through uh, my, my team in Lyon. Um, in, in, in North America, we've got offices in Princeton, New Jersey, Alpharetta, uh, Georgia, and Houston, Texas. Uh, then we've got uh, other international groups. Uh, our, actually, my group is actually headquartered in Lyon, where my role is North America. I have a counterpart also in Lyon who handles Europe and then a counterpart in uh, South Korea who handle handles uh, the Asian area. Gotcha. And um, tell us a little bit about the manufacturing of the different products or uh, parts that you guys might manufacture without, within your network of uh, uh, locations around the world. Solvay is, is comprised of, 16 to 18 different business lines um, and, and different, different, you know, levels, how strong they are, but, you know, we're, we're, we're into multiple arenas, you know, we're into healthcare, we're into uh, uh, soda ash, we're into just so many different arenas, uh, uh, composite materials, um, uh, uh, um, technology solutions, 
We're in t- uh, another uh, couple of our groups, uh, peroxides. We have a large peroxide plant here in, the, in, in uh, just east of Houston. And so, um, you know, we, Solve, all of Solve's products are not in use products. They, they, they're sold into uh, other products that are, or somebody is, has a finished product like soda ash. You know, soda hash is, is soda, baking soda, but it's sold into the uh, different markets for, for glass, for, for um, uh, coal generation. And uh, so that's interesting. We have a lot, we're, we're, we're a very diversified company. We're, you know, aerospace and automotive industry is very large parts for us and uh, composite materials. Um, uh, lots of just, you know, we're oil and gas industry. We sell chemicals into the, the, the drilling industry. There's semiconductors, you know, one of our largest customers is a, a phone manufacturer. And so uh, you, you had kind of asked me a question before you were talking about customers that may be looking for renewable sources, uh, kind of our circular economy, our, our scope three level of, of emissions. And, and some of the things that another reason for focusing on this is our customers are now asking for uh, their products to come to them with lower CO2 content. Gotcha. So you're, you're as a sustainability guy, Ron's the guy here in North America, you've got not only your corporation wanting to be green, but you have customers, your Solve customers also want you guys to be green. So you're that's hearing right. it from two different places. So yeah. uh, that's, they brought you in to do the job. Well, you know, it's, it's an, that's an interesting model too, because it's, you know, that's how Solvay looks at sustainability. You know, it's, it's, it's not just this arena. There's, there's more to the sustainability for, for life and everything and people. Ron, as a sustainability man for Solvay in North America, I see that you're feeling the pressure of your, the Paris Accord and the, your corporation wanting to be green, but yet you're also feeling it from the customer that wants the plant that's producing their product to also be green and sustainability. So you're feeling pressure from both directions to meet those sustainability goals. How's that been for you? Well, Mike, I, I, I might add to that as, as well. Your stake, your, your, your other stakeholders, your investors. Yes. Right. Yeah. You, you get yeah. a lot, you get, you're, it's coming from all directions for the company. And, and it goes back to my whole point of, of sustainability. And that was kind of the key that sold me on Solvay was they're looking at their whole business as sustainable not just the different parts. And let's just not just do renewable energy, but let's do all these different parts. And so we are seeing that in a lot of this stem from one of our largest customers, who's a large phone manufacturing, that's the demands that their suppliers um, sell them products that have uh, reduced CO2 in their content. And so Solvay took it upon themselves and said, that's exactly right. And that's they're they're moving it forward in that direction. So there is pressure, yes. Um, positive pressure, I would I would add. Right? It's it's uh, we're not just seeing it from those guys. We're you you start having uh, procurement. We 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 deal with a lot of procurement people on as our customers because we're not selling the used product, and um, they're now more and more our procurement teams are getting those questions of you know and and so we are too having to track the uh, CO2 content in our products. And that's coming from our electricity or natural gas or, or, or scope three type of emissions as well. So it's, it's, 
it's a positive pressure that I see that's put on Solvay to do their best at reaching these goals. And that's, that's, that's what we're all here for to do is to reach, attain those goals and actually exceed those goals. How has COVID factored in? I mean, obviously it's disrupted everything. Uh, how has it affected you? You mentioned the goals that you guys have. How has it affected that? And just kind of, you know, what, where has it adjusted you guys as you look uh, to the end of this year in 2021? There has been some impacts. I wouldn't say they're dramatic. Um, they're probably similar to what everybody else has been affected by. With We've had a few furlough time periods. I had three different weeks through the summer where I was furloughed, which which actually was kind of a nice little break since I didn't have any vacation um, to, to use at the time. Couldn't go anywhere anyway, right? And none of us could. But um, the COVID's effect has really been a couple of things. One is is I used to spend a lot of time getting out to the sites, trying to investigate the opportunities to get get these uh, projects started and in place, working with these developers, meeting with them, meeting them on site. You can't, you, you just can't do any of that. And so that was one of the effects. Another, I guess I would say effects was really tied into um, the effects of our, on our business, um, not only on our business, but because our customers' businesses too, right? And everybody was affected. Um, we we have several industries that were really hit pretty hard. We had some industries uh, that business lines that were really booming. It's it's really kind of strange. It's kind of the neat thing of being being diversified. But we had some some business lines that are really struggling to get through some of this. And so as we went through the year, we didn't pause our pause button on. But the company said, keep moving things forward, but we're going to have a little bit of a slowdown in trying to move some of these other actions forward. And I've seen, I've seen a little bit of that, the hesitation from some of the companies to say, well, we we're, may not want to do that 15-year contract this year until we see what next year, 2021, brings. And, and nobody wants to spend any money this year. And then I don't think that's Solvay. I think that's... I think <laughs> that's across the board. <laughs> that's across the board, right? That's everybody. So, People are hesitant to say, let's go out and buy, you know, a whole slew of wrecks just because we want to spend money on, on wrecks at this point. And renewable energy certificates, by the way, that's what helps us uh, check that box of the, the actual reductions. And you get those from producing solar, which we were trying to do or in, in different arenas. Want to bring something back real quick. We talked a little bit about before the show as well, but um, once again, though, about Solvay and again, not just having customers that want to be sustainable, but your company's mission to be sustainable as well, the 26% by 2030, uh, carbon free, but being top 10 solar producers, um, again, and, and it just, again, it coincides with your two years there. Was that something you sought out to do? How did, how did these, uh, how did this award come about? Because again, when you look at the top 10 solar producers the last two years and Solvay's in that group, I mean, it is a who's who essentially of the top companies in America, Apple, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Google, Facebook, uh, Kaiser Permanente. And then you got Solvay sitting in there at number 10. How did it come about? And I guess kudos to you and your team as well. Well, you know, a lot of that's a lot of it got started before it was there, and, and a lot of it's been executed in 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 the process too. Um, how did we get there? We by hard work and and focusing on keeping you know keeping the goal in mind, and that is these targets. And and it's you know, I, I, if if I'm if I'm at a company that doesn't have sustainability as their kind of their top mission, they're going to continue. Oh, we've we found some deals on energy on renewable energy. We can do this. And you can take little stabs at it. Solvay is not taking little stabs at it. This is our mission. 
and and we'll continue to grow on that top 10 list um, and just from the standpoint of as our overall mission and i see that from 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 those companies that you just mentioned too they have those similar goals so it's going to be a, a fight fest for for you know rolling up and our goal is not to be you know on the top of that list but just to be on that list um it, it's important that uh, everybody does this. And as everybody does this, it's going to continue to, you know, they're going to they're need to expand that top 10 to top 20, top 25, top 50, to so to so the activities that all these other companies are doing. But it's, it's different um, how we're doing it versus maybe how I've seen it done in the past. And now companies are not just, not just saying things, but as, as Solvay says, you know, we're walking the talk. <laughs> Let me ask you this: um, As we, like I said, we we round out 2020. Again, this is now two years that you've had uh, in this role. We already know about the the Planet One initiative. 26 percent. You're already in work on that. But just real quick, one: What do you guys besides the 26 percent? What is what does your team have on you know kind of as far as the top? What you guys are looking for in 2021 uh, as far as projects you guys are looking on, and then just you as a whole. What, what's um, you know what is, is what's grinding your gears or what, what's ke- what's keeping you going right now? Uh, 26 years in the industry, and um, where are we at with uh, Ron Johnson? Neat, neat, there's neat stuff out there, and that's it. It goes back to natural gas, power, just the different things we can do. You know, we're we're focused. We've got these goals. Those goals are out there. We've got some big projects we're, we're currently working on that are are going to make some really big impacts into those numbers that we currently have. Uh, that's great. We're going to continue focusing on some of the larger projects. We do find that some of the smaller, you know, when, in some of the challenges we've had in, in, in this is, is really kind of trying to find those locations where you can put solar in behind a fence and make it work. Something interesting about that is it takes just as much work on a small project, maybe even more than it does some sort of a large project. So we're focusing on some of the larger impacts to our, our CO2, some of those types of projects. Um, you know, the key is, that, and this is, I'm talking about scope two here, right? So scope two is our indirect emissions. Scope one is 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 really the big elephant out there. Scope one is is your, your direct emissions, the coal, the natural gas, those things that you're burning. Uh, Solvay is getting rid of coal in, in any of their, in the, in any of their uh, projects that they have. So that's a huge step, but natural gas still has a large CO2 content to it that uh, on the emissions that we've got to find ways to, to do something with that. Um, and it's kind of a background in the natural gas piece, spending time with waste management, doing these different things. There's so many great opportunities out there from, you know, biodigesters and, and different forms of capturing methane and, and using that it's, it's just, it's finding ways to do that. So, I think our targets can be as we move our scope two forward, our mission forward and, and start uh, completing some of those missions is moving into the some of the scope one. But but to add to one of the uh, corporate objectives as well, waste and water. Waste and water is, a, is, is the next big arena that the, that the, the company is going to be is really targeting already. Uh, my group hopefully will be able to participate with them uh, and and the uh, Jean-Marc Champagne, who's who's heading that up for our group, is uh, a, a neat guy, and, and we'll be spending a little bit of time with him doing that. Thanks again to Ron Johnson from Solvay. And, and Mike, once again, um, like we said at the beginning of the show, you know, there's something to be said for guys like you, guys like Ron, 
who spent, you know, upwards, you know, you spent 40 years in the oil and gas business. Ron spent 24 years in the oil and gas business. Um, and for you guys to, to bring that knowledge into the renewable energy uh, sector says a lot about, you know, just uh, the renewable energy sector as far as welcoming in new ideas and bringing in talent like you and Ron. Well, you know, uh, we've been in the oil and gas space for a long time, both Ron and I. And sometimes it takes somebody coming, crossing over from another commodity into another, a third commodity, in this case being renewables, to maybe have a different set of eyes put on something to find different ways and bring creative markets to this existing market so it can help grow into the future. And so uh, with old grizzly veterans like Ron and I coming in, hopefully we can uh, teach some of these young guys a few old tricks and it becomes part of the norm of the future. So uh, there you go. No, it certainly is. And, and, you know, a lot of the things he, he mentioned in the, uh, in the podcast as far as, you know, cost being one of the hurdles, um, you know, trying to expedite deals. I mean, these are all things that, you know, you and I, that, in the time that we've been doing this podcast, you know, there seems to be a, that, that seems to be the consensus, right, as far as the hurdles that folks are facing with renewable uh, as far as getting deals done. And we're certainly hoping that uh, with e-renewable, we can certainly help to expedite that and, and, and uh, you know, p- uh, put our mark on the market and let folks know that uh, there are there are alternatives and uh, hopefully they do consider renewable so with that said thank you once again to everybody tuning into the green insider podcast if you don't know you'll now know uh you can check us out on apple itunes google play uh spotify or wherever you get your podcast and if you do go to apple itunes and check out the podcast we ask that you leave us a five-star rating if you want to review hey be my guest we're not going to hate you for it but if we ask that you at least leave that five-star rating why because we promise you're going to leave with more information when you leave than when you came in so for the one and only mike Niemer, i am fred davis thank you so much this is the green insider podcast powered by e-renewable where we make going green a whole heck of a lot easier